Chapter Sixteen, The Deserted House, The Outdoor Girls of Deepdale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wendy Torsocks, The Outdoor Girls of Deepdale by Laura Hope, Chapter Sixteen, The Deserted House. The girls screamed in concert, and whose voice was the loudest was a matter that was in doubt. Not that the little captain and her chums lingered long to determine. The bear stopped short in the middle of the road, standing on its hind legs, waving its huge forepaws, and lolling its head from side to side in a sort of comical amusement. Run! Run! screamed Betty. To the woods! Oh! 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 That seemed the extent of Molly's vocabulary just then. Climb a tree! was the advice of Grace. Is he coming? Is it coming after us? Amy wanted to know. She glanced over her shoulder as she put the question, and there nearly followed an accident, for Amy was running, and the look back caused her to stumble. Betty, who was racing beside her, just managed to save her chum from a bad fall. All the girls were running, running as though their lives depended on their speed. Luckily, they wore short walking skirts, which did not hinder free movement, and they really made good speed. They crossed the road and plunged into the underbrush, crashing through it in very terror. They clung to their small suitcases instinctively. Then suddenly, as they ran on, there came the clear notes of a bugle in an army call. Betty recalled something. Stop, girls, she cried. What? With that bear after us, we'll grace never. It's all right, I tell you, it's all right, went on Betty. Oh, she's lost her mind. She's so frightened she doesn't know what she is saying, exclaimed Molly. Oh, poor Betty. Silly, stop, I tell you, that bear. Again came the notes of the bugle and then the girls. Looking through the fringe of trees at the road, saw a man with a red jacket and wearing a hat in which was a long feather. Come along and grasp a chain that dangled from the leather muzzle which they had failed to notice on the bear's nose. It's a tame bear, cried Betty. That's what I meant. He won't harm us. Come on back to the road. Oh, I've torn my skirts, and she gazed ruefully at a rent in the garment. The girls hesitated a moment, and then, understanding the situation, and being encouraged by the fact that the man now had his bear in charge, also seeing another man, evidently the male, the mate of the first, approaching with a second bear. They all went back to the highway. The bugle blew again, and one of the bears at a command from the man turned a clumsy somersault. 
Grace burst into hysterical laughter, in which she was joined by the others. "'Weren't you a silly?' exclaimed Molly. "'Oh, but it looked just like a real bear,' gasped Amy in self-defence. "'Listen to her,' said Betty. "'A real bear? Why, of course it is. Did you think it was a teddy variety?' "'Oh, you know what I mean,' spoke Amy. "'I thought it was a wild bear.' It probably was, once, remarked Grace. They were all out in the road now, and the two men with the bears were slowly approaching. Evidently, the foremost man had seen the pre precipitate flight of the girls, so taking off his hat and bowing with foreign politeness, he said, Excuse, please, Juno or him get away from me. I chase after. I catch, excuse, please. That's all right, said Betty pleasantly. We were frightened for a minute. Very sorry. Juno made the dance for the ladies. He blew some notes on a battered brass horn and began some foreign words in a sing-song tone, at which the bear moved clumsily around on its hind feet. Juno, kiss, the man cried. The great shaggy creature extended its muzzle toward the man's face, touching his cheek. Excuse, please, said the bear trainer, smiling. Come on, girls, suggested Amy. The place was rather a lonely one, though there were houses just beyond, and the two men, in spite of their bows, did not seem very prepossessing. With hearts that beat rapidly from their recent flight and excitement, the girls passed the bears, the men both taking off their hats and bowing. Then the strange company was lost to sight down a turn in the road, the notes of the bugles coming faintly to the girls. Gracious, that was an adventure, exclaimed Molly. I thought I should faint, breathed Amy. Have a chocolate, do, urged Grace. They're nourishing, and she held out some. Girls, we must hurry, spoke Betty, or we'll never get to Broxton before the rain. Hurry along. They walked fast, passing through the little village of Chanceford, where they attracted considerable attention. It was not every day that four such pretty and smartly attired girls were seen on the village main street, the only thoroughfare, by the way. Then they came to the open country again. They had been going along at a good pace and were practically certain of reaching Grace's sister's house in time for supper. It's raining! suddenly exclaimed Betty, holding up her hand to make sure. A drop splashed on it, then another. Amy looked up into the clouds overhead. Oh, she cried, a drop fell in my eye. Then with a suddenness that was surprising, the shower came down hard. Little dark spots mottled the white dust off the road. Run, cried Molly. There's a house. We can stay on the porch until the rain passes. The people won't mind. 
a little in advance and closed with a neat red fence and setting back some distance from the road was a large white house with green shutters the windows in front were open as was the front door and from one casement a lace curtain flapped in the wind run run we'll be drenched cried grace thinking of her new walking suit without more ado the girls hurried through the gate up the gravel walk and got to the porch just as the rain reached its maximum it was coming down now in a veritable torrent queer the people here don't shut their door remarked betty and say the rain is coming in the parlour window added amy maybe they don't know it suggested grace oh the wind is blowing the rain right in on us she cried i wonder if it would be impertinent to walk in suggested molly we at least can knock and ask they won't refuse said betty and really with the wind this way the porch has no protection at all she rapped on the open door there was no response and she tapped again louder to make it heard above the noise of the storm that's queer maybe no one is at home said grace they would hardly go off and leave the house all open when it looked so much like rain declared amy supposed to be called to them maybe they're upstairs the girls were now getting so wet that they decided not to stand on ceremony they went into the hall through the front door there was a parlour on one side and evidently a sitting room on the other side of the central hall see that rain coming in on the curtains and carpets cried betty girls we must close the windows and and she darted into the parlour the others followed her example and soon the house was closed against the elements breathless the girls waited for some sign or evidence of life in the house there was none the place was silent the only sound being the patter of the rain and the sighing of the wind the girls looked at each other then betty spoke i don't believe there's a soul here she exclaimed not a soul the house is deserted end of chapter sixteen the deserted house recording by wendy Torsocks. end of the outdoor girls of deepdale by laura lay hope